Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What's up, Micah, man? I am chilling. How you doing, Stevie Stacks? Oh, good, man. I had to let my hair down a little bit today. I was uh, getting a little headache, so now, you know, I can breathe. Oh, you let the hair down? Okay. Let, let, let my, my soul, let my soul glow. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, but man. We, we are here with episode, episode one, number? 117. Episode 117. And if you have been watching any type of news, we are with the hottest dude out there in the finance market right now with our guy Todd Baldwin. How you doing, Todd? I'm doing very well. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I am excited to be here. Man, are you any kind of Doug up there in Seattle? Doug Baldwin? No. You know what's funny? I get asked all the time if I'm related to Doug Baldwin. Unfortunately, no, but uh, there may be a new Baldwin to deal with in Seattle, so we'll see. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Taking over. <laughs> no, see, see, um, I found uh, Todd Baldwin's story. Actually, uh, a friend of mine sent it to me because he, he knows that, you know, I'm, I'm in the real estate world a little bit. And he said, hey, check out this millennial that's 27-year-old millionaire and this and that. And I was like, okay, what's this all about? It's a CNBC story. And it went into your, um, your lifestyle and how you accumulated your, your um, properties and your wealth, you know, and and um, and also uh, how you don't spend a lot of your money and you and you save and invest most of it. I was like, wow, this is pretty, pretty awesome. I have to get him on the show. <laughs> so I, I tracked you down, Facebook stalked you and found you. And then um, here you are on our show. There we are. It, it's an interesting time. Pretty much you want to meet anyone. You just send them a DM and there you go. <laughs> Straight up. A lot of stuff happens on the DMs. <laughs> yeah. So question, I got bunch of questions for you like straight off the top like so you're 27 year old years old became a millionaire did you was that what your goal what was your goal how did you set out on that path to be financially free financially free at 27 sure so that's a great question so uh i was raised by a single mom uh times were tough you know she she was she was great she was hard working but man like she struggled and she was constantly worried about money so from a very early age I kind of just became uh, obsessed with getting a better life. And so I started working at 12. I started uh, my first business when I was 15. It was a lawn care business and uh, started making money online uh, when I was 15 or 16. And uh, I had the goal of becoming a millionaire when I was 30. And I was actually able to hit it by 25. Wow. Wow. What, what, was, your, uh, what was your first online business? So uh, when I started making money online, it actually wasn't an online business. It was pretty much just working with other companies, kind of like freelancing stuff where, um, you know, I could just do some things here and, here and there. And then I found different like uh, <laughs> eBay flipping. So I actually made a pretty decent amount of money buying stuff at like uh, Goodwill or a thrift store and then flipping it on eBay. Uh, one time, I kid you not, I found a broken pair of sunglasses on the sidewalk I put it up on eBay for sale. I, I made it very clear that they were broken. That thing sold for 60 bucks. Broken <laughs> <Wow>. sunglasses. <laughs> Damn. Outside the box. There's always someone wanting to buy some, some crazy stuff out there. I know, exactly. Little do I know, it was probably like a $900 pair of sunglasses, and I was just too stupid to know that. <laughs> yeah, and they're laughing at you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. 
so so that's a interesting story i'm I'm from a, a single mom household too where they str- you know she struggled with two or three jobs and yeah so i can really relate man and and i see the i see i guess like you said the obsession because i me too i was like man i would just really I, when i ain't gonna be poor growing up you know i'm gonna do whatever i can to make some money and so and not only um did you have that you know goal to be a millionaire i mean you have this um financial freedom mindset how did you acquire that yeah you know i just sort of uh like a lot of people i think in my generation um just sort of rejected the idea that you have to work for somebody else for 40 years of your life at a job you hate to hopefully one day have enough money when you're 65 and you can live on that until you die. Like I was just like, man, there's gotta be another way. Like the people that are making it in the world, uh, they, they don't work at jobs they hate. They're off creating businesses. They're off doing things. And you know, there's so many different ways now that you can monetize. So yeah, I just figured that was the life that I wanted. So I, I made it my my mission to figure out how to do that. Nice, nice. And so and what brought you to, to acquiring real estate? Yeah, so that's a really good question. You know, um, in doing my research and just figuring out what works, uh, what I found is that a lot of businesses fail. I mean, I'm sure you guys know that. I think 95% of all startups actually fail. And uh, there's a lot of businesses out there like that. But what I kept coming back to the one thing that's created more millionaires than anything else, including tech, by the way, is real estate. So I figured, well, why don't I do something that's been proven? And it really started where my wife and I, actually at the time, just my girlfriend at the time, we were looking to live together and we found an apartment in Seattle uh, and it was two grand a month. No utilities were included. You have to pay an extra 150 per car uh, for parking. So we decided that makes no sense. Let's just buy a place. And uh, we did. So we were living in sin. (laughs) (laughs) Girlfriend bought a house together living in sin. But um, we decided to rent out the extra bedrooms to uh, some of my college buddies. And that allowed us to live completely for free. House hacking. Yes, sir. You got to do it. Anyone out there that that is key. Like I've gotten so much hate like, Oh, you're a millionaire, but you live with roommates. First of all, I'm not going to be living with roommates forever. But while I'm in my 20s, before I have kids, I can handle it. All right. And also, like, you guys, seriously, I've been living completely for free for the last, like, four years. And it is, when you don't have a rent payment or you don't have a mortgage payment, it's, you, you can make so much, you can save and invest so much money. Dude, I house hacked for like two and a half years in this house that I'm sitting in. So yes, I 100% agree with you. House Hell hack, yes. straight up. Hell yeah. So okay, so that was was that your first deal? Your, your house that was our first deal. Uh, we bought it with three and a half percent down. It was a first time home buyer program. Now the reason why, because some people are gonna you know hate on that, like oh well then you were paying the mortgage insurance, you're paying PMI, and that's true. But I bought in an undervalued area that was going through a transition about 20 minutes outside of downtown Seattle. So two years later, that exact same house appraised for about $180,000 more than what I paid for it. Mm. And I was able to refinance out of the PMI, get rid of that, which saved me an extra like 350 bucks a month. Take that, Dave Ramsey fans. That's right. Oh, and I, I did it on a 30-year mortgage too, by the way, not a 15-year mortgage. Let's Hell go. Yeah. I just left the refinance table yesterday, got all my PMI off, so I'm with you. Let's do it. 
There you go. <laughs> Man, so, okay, so, okay, that was your first deal. You house hacked it. And then and you said you acquired, how many, how, how many units are you at now? So I have six houses now, but I have uh, like 33 tenants. And the reason for that is um, I actually rent out every single house that I own by the bedroom. I love it. So explain, okay, what are your other houses and how, how are you renting them by the bedroom? How, what's your setup? Sure. So nine months after we bought our first house, we bought our second house. I did have to put 20% down on that property because it was an investment house. Mm -hmm. That is a six bedroom, three bathroom house. And uh, my wife and I, we just figured, you know, if, if we didn't want to spend two grand a month on an apartment and we, I mean, we were making six figures. So we had a very um, privileged salary, right? And even we didn't want to spend that coin. We figured, well, other people probably won't want to spend that either. So we, we found that a lot of people are willing to, to pay eight or 900 bucks for a bedroom. And when you have six of them, then you're making some really good money. So mm. we, now all of our houses are nice. They're all brand new. We get really good furniture in there. And as a part of the package is we pay for all of the utilities. So our houses come when, when you pay rent for your bedroom, you get uh, water, sewer, garbage, cable, internet, uh, Netflix account, a commercial-free house Hulu account, pest control, and a weekly made, uh, weekly house cleaner. Mm. How, how much are you charging per bedroom? So it depends on the bedroom. The cheapest room that I have right now is $825, and the most expensive room that I have is $1,300. Uh, that's a master bedroom. And if anyone's thinking that's a lot of money, I have uh, five master bedrooms that are leased at 1300 So people are willing to pay that money because, again, Seattle is so expensive. You're going to drop two Gs with no utilities included for a studio, and you know utilities run an extra 500 bucks. So I, people are saving quite a bit of money by renting a room. Man, you are the house hack master, man. Oh, my <laughs> God. Wow. 1500 Oh, my man, 1300 Man, that, that is unbelievable, dude. Thank you. Yeah. And it, what's great too is, you know, part people ask me this all the time. So my wife and I, we own all the houses together. We manage them together and she's a CPA. So she does all of our taxes. She's a hell of a lot smarter than I am, by the way. But, um, we've actually never once had a vacancy. We've never missed a month's rent. We've never even missed a day's rent. And that's because the houses are super nice. We have a great package. I mean, we even buy, like we supply all of our houses with toilet paper, paper towels, Clorox wipes, dishwasher soap. And we have, we hire a maid to go clean each house from top to bottom every single week. So people are, uh, people are willing to pay, you know, as, as little as 900 as at most as 1300 bucks for a room from us. And, you know, because the houses are nice and they have a good deal. Dude, I'm like really tempted to hop out the Airbnb game and start renting everything by room that, that you're like the second person doing that. And that's just like, taking people to another level, man. Yeah. And I will say this. I do have two Airbnb units. I mean, right now I live in a duplex and actually what I'm sitting in right now is one of my Airbnb units. So that's where I'm filming this today. Um, this is an Airbnb. It's two bedroom, two and a half bath. The other side of the duplex is where I live. I do live with roommates. I'm house hacking that as well. And then below me, I have another Airbnb unit. We converted our garage into a studio apartment. Mm. Oh man, you're, you're, you're next, man, creativity. So you you live in a duplex. You could truly just house hack the duplex and live out there for free, but you decided to rent the rooms in the duplex and rent, man, that is genius. 
Yeah, so here, here's it was going to blow your mind, all right? You're going to have your mind blown. So most people would rent out the duplex, right? And they live for free, zero mortgage payment. Not only is our mortgage paid for every single month, we actually make $1,850 per month by living in our free brand new house. We get paid to live in our house. <laughs> <laughs> this is off the chain man like next, man, next level man that's next level it, it it's so funny because like so many people complain i mean about oh housing's too high in whatever city or wherever you know i can't i can't afford to have a house with my income this and that but there's always a way and you found not only a way to to make that payment but to make your house pay you that's insane yeah and i'll say this too i mean i have a I think out of the 33 tenants-ish, something like that, that I have, I think four of them are actually making six figures. Now, these people, they don't have to rent a room in a house, but they're choosing to, to set themselves up. I mean, I have, I, I work with a lady, I won't mention her name, she doesn't know I'm talking about her right now, but she's a nurse, she works two nursing jobs, she makes 120 grand a year, and she started renting from me a few years ago for 900 bucks a month. She could go get a bougie apartment, but she wants to retire when she's 40. And so she's being really smart. She's saving a bunch of money and she's not going to do it forever, but she's doing it now when it makes sense. Mm. How much do you charge to be someone's financial planner? <laughs> you know, what's funny is ever since the CNBC thing came out, I've had like just a crazy amount of DMs and people like literally hundreds, hundreds of people contact me. Um, and a lot of them want me to make a course. I haven't made a course yet. Um, I don't know that I ever will, but I am posting everything I know for free on YouTube. So I just started a YouTube channel last week where I'm posting everything for free. So if anyone wants to know more about that, they can find it. We will definitely put that in the show notes and you need to make a clarity page because they're still going to hit you up. You should oh, yeah. charge, man. You, you, I, I'd, I'd pay to sit down with you with all this house hacking you're doing, man. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's been, it's been a huge blessing for us. And, and what I want to talk to you know the viewers out there is, it's, it's really about sacrifice and living below your means. I mean, so right now my wife and I live in this duplex and our side of the duplex right now we have three roommates in a couple of months. We won't have any roommates. We'll still Airbnb the other half to live for free, but we're getting to the point where we want to start a family soon. So we won't have roommates. But before we bought this place, we lived in another house that we owned, but in that house we had six roommates and between me and my wife, we shared one car which was 10 years old and had 150,000 miles on it. That's what I still drive today, by the way, a 2009 Ford Focus. I'm not out driving a Lambo or a Ferrari or any of that nonsense you see. Not that I won't get one someday, but I don't need one in my 20s. <laughs> everyday millionaire, man. He's an everyday walking millionaire. That's, that's what's go. up. See, that, see that's what um, I guess – you know, a lot we talk, we interview a lot of people, and, and they do make a lot of money and indulge or whatever. But, but it, that's how do you? What makes you want to keep that that frugality mindset? That you know, not not spending everything that you're making, you're not spending a lot that you're making. And um, I mean, we'll even dive into what else you're doing by being extra super frugal. <laughs> In a lot of people's eyes, is uh, secret shopping yep. and getting and getting paid to go eat out at restaurants and coffee shops and stuff like that. I mean, that's what makes you want to keep doing things like that, even though you're a millionaire already? You know, I think um, uh, a guy who I really admire and respect is uh, on Shark Tank. His name is Damon John. And he has some material out there called The Power of Broke. Mm -hmm. And what it, what it basically talks about is if you know what it feels like to be broke, you never want to go back there again. 
Now I have enough passive income now that I'm not, I don't have that fear, but I still have the discipline and the principles of what got me here. And, um, yeah, I mean, and I will, I'll, I'll admit to you guys right now, I will be buying the Tesla Roadster. I will be buying that, but <laughs> I'm not, I'll, I'll get it when I'm 30. I'm not going to get into my twenties. I don't need to go out and, and flashy and spend. And right now, I am taking advantage of compound interest. I'm a young man. I got time on my side. So if I'm going to go drop 200 grand on a Lamborghini, that is millions in future value when you consider compound interest. So it just doesn't make sense for me to do that right now. Now Let me, let me play contrarian there because I would say you can get that Tesla right now and throw it on Uber and make that Tesla make you money too. <laughs> hey, that's a that is a good point. But here's here's why I wouldn't necessarily do Uber, and maybe you guys can have a uh, Turo Turo. But I am obsessed with generating passive income. That's why I went to real estate. If Uber, I'm making money while I'm driving, but I have to drive to make the money. So uh, I, I fig figured out this pretty early, where I want to learn how to make money while I sleep, not necessarily while I'm working. Um, and that you obviously you got to work hard to start to, to be able to invest. But um, man, when you got a house that's paying you and you're cash flowing, I mean, I'm cash flowing on my real estate. Uh, just over 12 grand a month is what I make in passive income net. So uh, that that's where it's at, man. I don't want to be driving <laughs> for my time. I want to be chilling on a beach where I get that passive income rolling in. <laughs> Now here's uh, I agree with you about the Uber part, but I, I think I might actually said Uber on accident. But I meant um, Turo. You've heard of Turo? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm I'm with you there. Where you you could go rent out your car. I'm not opposed to that um, because now your car becomes an asset. It's making money for you. The right. only thing I'd be worried about is man, the Tesla Roadster is the fastest car in the world, and damn, someone could have too much fun and crash my car. <laughs> but uh, we'll <laughs> see. I'm not opposed to it. I just I need to do the research. Hey, but um, isn't your wife an insurance person? Actually, I'm the insurance person. She's the accountant. So. Oh, oh, perfect. Oh, hey, yeah, we, we could probably way. do something there. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm taking you to lunch next time I'm in Seattle, man. <laughs> I'm, I'll look forward to it. I'm Definitely. a cheap date, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're down for some Starbucks. You like to go cheap like myself. <laughs> that's what's up, though, man. I'm, like, super proud of you. That, that's, that's, like, 27 years old and doing all this, man. That, that is crazy. So you're so, making 12,000 net on all your properties. Yeah, so we uh we gross about uh 38,000 per month in uh rental income. And uh after all the mortgage it, the mortgage taxes insurances are paid, we also pay all the utilities and the supplies and the maid. After all of that said and done, we net about 12,000 12,500 per month. And, and this is only on six properties. Correct. Dude, this is blowing. And you how many Airbnbs you have? Only two? Uh, yeah, so we have two Airbnbs. And so in the one that I'm in right now, in the off season, we make about three grand a month for this one. In the peak season, it'll be closer to six grand a month. And then the one below me, I'll send you guys a picture of you if you like. It's this garage that we converted into a studio. We've got a graffiti wall down there. And that brings in about 1500 per month in the off season. It'll be closer to three grand a month in the peak season. For a garage, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, it's a 400 square foot garage. We converted it into a studio. It's got a bathroom down there. It's got a really nice shower and a kitchenette. And yeah, people are paying to, to sleep there. It's pretty great. Okay, and you, you do this full time? Well, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, technically, yes. It's, um, you know, I have the real estate. I have the Airbnbs. I, it, because it's mostly passive, I wouldn't say that I do it full time. But, but yeah, that, that's pretty much my primary focus right now.
Okay. So you don't, you don't work a W2 job is what I meant. Oh yeah. No. So I, I was working before, um, I, historically I've been working in the commercial insurance space where I was making six figures there too. So, um, it, that, that was been great. And, and honestly, I will say to people out there, um, until you get your business off the ground, don't run to quit your nine to five. Like it, it can be risky if you do that, like get your business off the ground first, but no. So how I got, how I bought all this real estate was I have a six figure income and my wife has a six figure income. Okay. When did you know was the, when, when did you know was the time to jump ship and quit? That's a good question. Um, so, I mean, I know, I, what I know about myself is that I will never reach my full happiness until I'm working only for myself. And so I have a, I have a long way to go, quite frankly, before I, before I get to that point and before I get to where I want to be. But um, yeah, I just, what I know about me is I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I, uh, it's really difficult for me to have a boss. And, um, I won't, I won't be the happiest guy that I can be until I, until I have my own business. And I, I know that's not for everyone. Um, but that's me. Mm-hmm. And so you're still working currently. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So nice. with, with you renting by room, I guess I do have another question with that. How are you, what's your screening process like? Cause that's a lot of people. So what's, what's your screening process like? Yeah. So the screening process, I have a background check, like a third party that I use where, you know, people take a background check there and it's, I try to match every house by personality. It's not an exact science, but you know, like, so I I have six properties. So if let's say there's a house where everyone in that house is a little bit quiet, if someone, you know, wants to rent for me and they're more of a party animal or whatever, Um, they're probably not really suited for that quiet house. So I'll suggest they look at another house that I have. So again, it's not an exact science, but another way I break it out is I have one all male house. I have one all female house, and then I have four mixed houses. And um, it's just kind of a personal preference on where you want to live. So you're the one that's mixed are like the girls kind of uncomfortable or it hasn't been an issue. It really hasn't been an issue because I do a I do a pretty good job in the screening. I mean, I the, the biggest thing to make this house hacking deal work is harmony in the house because if roommates don't get along and they want to move out, all of a sudden you got to replace those tenants. So, and that's part of the reason why we supply all the stuff is we try to think about what do roommates fight about and let's solve that problem before it even arises. So, one thing we thought about people would fight is a mess. So we have a maid come every single week and clean the entire house. So there's no mess. Another thing we thought about people would, you know, have arguments about is if you're buying all the soap or the toilet paper, but your roommate is using it, eventually it's going to be really frustrating. It's going to piss you off. So we decided to get rid of that and we supply all of it. We buy all the toilet paper, all the soap, um, you know, and, and that's just kind of how we do things. Hmm. That's interesting. You're solving a problem. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that, you know, it's funny because I did, man, like I'm not used to this whole online like presence and the the publicity and stuff. And I got, I got a lot of hate to be honest after the CNBC, most of it was positive, but I got a lot of hate about room rentals and they're like, you know, they're like, man, you're, you're making these people live in close quarters and blah, blah, blah. It's like, first of all, I'm not making anyone do anything. They signed a lease and most of them resign. And if they didn't want to live there, they'd move out. And I make sure that the houses are brand new and nice and I supply everything, like literally everything to make it so it's an an enjoyable experience as possible. 
See, you're a bit more humble than me. I would have said, uh, yeah, these room rentals are why I'm on CNBC and you're not. <laughs> Man, Disney. that is awesome. I should, I should, uh, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. <laughs> Man. It's funny. Also, you mentioned um, your very first job. Can you explain that to our, our listeners? Yeah, like my, fir- like my very first job when I was 12? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I, I got my very first job when I was 12 years old, uh, literally shoveling poop for $3 an hour. (laughs) So that was my first work experience. I think I came home with like $6 and change and it was actually more money than I personally had ever had at the time. And I looked myself in the mirror at 12 years old and I was like, you're going to be a millionaire someday. And ever since then I've been on that path. And, uh, I started a lawn care business when I was, I believe, 15 with my brother. We were just, you know, mowing lawns, um, weed eating, chopping wood, stuff like that. And that was great because we were able to make like $15 an hour. And at the time, minimum wage in our state was eight bucks. So we were like pretty much double the minimum wage at 15, 14 years old. And uh, from there, just kind of kept doing things. And and here we are. Oh, that's awesome. So you, you literally started with a shit job. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i literally literally started with a shit job i had too much crap and i had to move on i mean i also i worked as a dishwasher i think when i was gosh 15 uh, and then i quit that to start my own business because i just hate i was standing over a sink for eight hours a day and it was awful and then um i also in high school in my high school we had vending machines but there was no soda and there was no candy so I started a candy business where I was selling candy and soda out of the trunk of my car at lunchtime because there was no candy at the school. And so I would go to Costco and I would buy a box of like 30 candy bars for 11 bucks and I would sell each candy bar for a dollar. And uh, I actually made enough money selling candy bars to go visit my sister across the country in Atlanta, Georgia. So I was able to pay for a round trip f- flight from Seattle to Atlanta basically off of candy sales man dude you're a certified you're a bona fide hustler man <laughs> thank you i appreciate it Straight up. <laughs> and so um one thing yeah, we need to dive in also is the secret shopping how did you get into that and what is secret shopping yeah so a little bit of backstory um i started dating my now wife but i started dating her in college at the time that we started dating i had just paid tuition i had just bought books And I literally had $4 in my bank account. That was all I had. So it took me two months of savings before I could take her out on our first date. And when we got there, she actually offered to pay and I wouldn't let her. And then she offered to pay for her, for her half. And I still wouldn't let her. I was like, Hey, I got it. And then she suggested, well, for the second date, let's go to Costco. And for our appetizers, we'll get the free samples and then we'll go to the food court. And for me, I was like, this woman is such a keeper because she doesn't care about the fact that I have no money right now. She just wants to spend time with me. That being said, I'm kind of old school. I do like to spoil my wife when, when I, when I can. And, uh, and I wanted to spoil my girlfriend at the time, uh, again, now wife. But so I, I started just looking up how to get free food. I started Googling it and I came across secret shopping where basically, uh, what it is, is there are certain companies like restaurants, movie theaters, Um, bowling alleys, whatever. They want to know how their employees are doing. They want to know what the public thinks of their product. 
So they will hire secret shopping businesses to find independent contractors like us to go pose as normal customers, buy the product or service. When we get home, fill out a survey about that experience and then they reimburse us for whatever we bought plus pay us some money on the top. So when I found this, I actually thought it was a complete scam, but they weren't asking for any personal information. They weren't asking for any money. So I thought I'd try it out. And uh, two weeks later, I got a check in the mail. I realized it was legit. And uh, that was, I think, uh, my sophomore or junior year of college that I, that I found this out. And so my wife and I have been going to restaurants and getting paid for it ever since. You, st- you still do that? Oh, yeah. Still do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we, uh, are you guys, uh, let me ask, are you guys Star Wars fans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the newest Star Wars, my wife and I, we got paid $124 to see the newest Star Wars movie. <laughs> we got uh, paid to watch the- Hashtag secret shopping. <laughs> you got paid to watch it, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. So, I mean, and, and this is, here's the deal. So most of the time, not all of the time, but probably 80 to 90% of the time we go out to eat, we line up a secret shop if they have it and we get paid. So the most recent one that we did was we went to a Mexican restaurant in West Seattle. We got reimbursed up to $67 for our meal. And then we got paid $10 in profit on the top. So it was basically like a free date night. Plus we made $10, which I'm not going to say that's a lot of money at all, but it was a guilt-free date because we didn't spend any money. In fact, we got paid to do it. Oh, man. Man, I've been living life all the way wrong, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, hey, let me tell you this thing. I mean, there's even secret shops to Marriott Hotel. So whenever my wife and I travel, we try to stay at a Marriott. We try to line up a secret shop there. It reimburses your hotel stay Plus pays you 35 bucks for your time. It's, it's a game changer. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now I've got my mind thinking. Hold on. So let's say I use credit card reward points to buy the hotel. They'll reimburse mm-hmm. me on that on top oh, yeah. of. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, here, if that wasn't good enough, here's what gets better. Um, and you guys, if you want to link it, you can. There's no referral link or anything. But the secret shopping company that has the contract with Marriott is called Mercantile Systems. I can email that, that to you later. But as soon as you sign up as a mystery shopper with them, all you got to do is complete one Marriott hotel shop and you automatically become platinum with Marriott, oh. which means you can go to the cool like secret floor that only the rich people get access to. You get the concierge and all that stuff. You get platinum and uh, it, all, it only takes one secret shop to do that. Plus you get the free hotel. Oh, so you've been rubbing shoulders with the big dogs, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's even, uh, you know, the, the probably the most fun secret shop I've ever done is, uh, let me say this first. I'm not a gambler. I, I hate gambling. But there are secret shops to casino resorts, and they reimburse your hotel stay. They pay for all the food, all the alcohol, and they give you a gambling allowance. And if you win, you keep the winnings. <laughs> so they give you 300 bucks to gamble with. So you're not even risking your own money. Now, I'm not saying anyone should go to a casino, but um, yeah, it, when you're getting it for free, it was awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. Play with house money. <laughs> Literally house money. Exactly. Gee. Oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah, I definitely want that info. Yeah, I will send it to you. It's been a game changer. Great way to save money. Sweet. And make money. Exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, Steve. Oh, another thing on the secret shopper thing, I, I thought that was pretty cool. You mentioned on the CNBC was you, you, keep, you keep punch cards to some of the places. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the places local to Seattle is this uh, bakery. It's called Macrina Bakery. My wife and I love it. We get free breakfast there all the time through secret shopping and free coffee. 
And um, I have a punch card to this bakery. So we're basically, every free coffee we get, we're getting a punch on this card, which is adding up to an additional free coffee. So it's basically like our free coffee that we're also getting paid for is adding up to another free coffee. It's like compound interest, but with food. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. I love it. Dude, so, so, okay, so you do real estate, you do secret shopping. Uh, do, do you, I guess the next question would be, do you, do you do any type of, you know, because I know the stock market's been taking a hit and it came back, but do you do anything with the stock market? Yeah, you know, so I am, I'm honestly not a huge fan of buying individual stocks. You can make a lot of money doing that. I've just, it's just not my appetite. I do invest in mutual funds and index funds. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Vanguard S&P 500 kind of yeah. guy. So, I mean, that, that is average like between 9 and 11% for the last like 75 years. When you, when you do the S&P 500, you're betting on America. And if you're betting on America to win, chances are you're going to win. So, I mean, that's what I do. My wife and I, we, do, we max out two 401ks. We max out two traditional IRAs because uh, we make too much money to put into a Roth IRA. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we got an HSA. So we, we max out all the retirement stuff that we can. Uh, but as far as stocks go, uh, it's, it's mostly just liquid brokerage account, mutual funds, index funds, stuff like that. So, geez, man. I'm sorry. So you guys, you're still working the corporate job. When, what's your set goal line to be like, you and your wife are like, yo, we're retiring. We're done. Yeah. So that's a great question. So my goal for this year in 2020, I would like to buy an apartment building. Once I get that apartment building, I would feel very comfortable with um, me and my wife both being able to quit, uh, you know, working for anyone else. And that way, when we start a family, we can spend 100% of our time raising our kids and not being stuck at the office. And that, that was a big motivator for me. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to miss my son's little league game because I'm stuck at the office. I don't want to miss my daughter's ballet recital because I'm on some conference call. I want to be able to invest in passive income so that we're making a great living without us having to grind and work. And of course we grinded and worked to get to where we are today, but that's what I'm about. And um, so that, that's our goal. And, uh, and you know, I'm just, I'm, I have lofty goals, but I'm not willing to risk the family time. I'm not willing to not see my kids grow up. And so I, I got to do it now. So you do it for the time, not the money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, once you get to a certain amount of money, you start to value your time uh, way more. And, and this, here's a good example of this, because I'm a really frugal guy. I mean, I live with roommates. <laughs> we share one car. Um, but, you know, if we're going to like Disneyland or something, I'm for sure buying that like, like, like guided tour pass, because you skip all the lines. And, uh, and so an example of this is I took my wife to Six Flags a few years ago. And for an extra hundred bucks, you could skip all the lines and then go on the ride twice. So for us, we, there, was a, there was a brand new roller coaster that happened to just open up. There was a four-hour wait. We skipped the line, got on the roller coaster. After everyone got off, we stayed on and went again. So just right there, we saved eight <laughs> hours. We saved the whole day, eight hours, because we had the money to do it. And I can go use that eight hours to create more money than the hundred bucks that I spent. So I'm definitely all about saving as much time as long as you can monetize that time later. You're even compounding experiences. There yeah. you go. And, and that's, you know, because some people are like, oh, well, if you're super frugal, then why do you have a maid? And it's like, you, you got like, if I pay my maid, let's say I pay her 200 bucks. During the time that it takes for her to clean, uh, you know, whatever, and I'm paying her 200 bucks, I can be going out and figuring out how to make 2000 
while, while I pay her 200. So it's, it's leveraging the time so long as you know how to monetize it. So it's, it's spending money on things that will in turn make you money. That, that's basically what I'm trying to get at there is spend money on things that'll make you money. Man, nice. I like the way you do business. Thank you. <laughs> and so, and so you're okay. The real estate part of your investing, how have you, how, how have you totally made that like 100% passive? Sure. So, um, the, the most time that it takes is setting up a house, you know, getting six people, you know, to rent different bedrooms in there. That's probably the most time consuming, but once it's set up, it's really passive. And, uh, really we just have, you know, like we, we have a, uh, Amazon and Costco orders. So whenever they're low on toilet paper, we just click a button and it sends to their house. That's pretty passive. My, uh, my tenants now I offer a referral bonus. So if they refer any person who rents for me and signs a lease, they get a hundred bucks. So I've gotten a lot of referrals that way. I've even had repeat tenants where I've had people move out because they want to go experience living in Seattle. They figure out it's way too expensive and they move back. So um, it's, it's pretty passive that way. And as far as the Airbnb goes, and for anyone out there that, that's thinking about Airbnb, we use a lock called uh, Smart Connect. And I don't know if you guys use something different, but um, basically it's a keyless lock. So there's no key to the entry. And they automatically get a text message with the code to the door, which changes with every guest. So we don't have to reset the code. We don't have to do anything. They get that automatically so they can check in and out at their time. And we have Airbnb completely automated. It looks like it's my wife sending these welcome messages. It's actually an AI bot. Don't tell anybody. But uh, yeah, it's, it's all automated. All the messages are automatic. It talks about the check-in time, the, the instructions, all this, you know, all this stuff. Completely automated and hands-free. Do you wow. use Smart BNB? I do use Smart BNB. Yes, sir. Cool. Yeah. And so how's that worked when, when they ask you questions? Is, are they pretty good about responding with the appropriate answers? Yeah. So, I mean, some things um, are a little bit too niche and then we'll respond, but it's very minimal. I mean, most of the time you can have the bot just do an auto response. And anytime, like anytime somebody books, they automatically get a message that's like, hey, thank you so much for your reservation. Just to confirm you're here on this date. Here's the address, you know, all that stuff. That's all automated. Um, now, there are some specific questions like, you know, I don't know if they want to ask something specific about me or my wife, then we'll answer it. But it, it's very minimal time. And then, of course, we have a cleaning crew. So we're not spending any time turning over or flipping it just like that. You, you got to get the cleaning crew in place. You got to make sure you have a good one. Man, dude. You're really showing the power of house hacking, Airbnb, style, mutual fund, man. That that that's I'm I'm happy. I'm 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 mind blown. Everything on cruise <laughs> control. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and another strategy that maybe your listeners would uh, would like to hear about is I also do um, something called bank account churning and credit card churning, which uh, with bank account churning, there are a lot of new account bonuses. Like you know, hey, deposit a thousand bucks into our new bank account, we'll give you two hundred. It's like well if you just have a thousand dollars that you're going to keep in the bank, you might as well get a bonus for it. I'll never tell anyone that they should go out of their way to, you know, get together a lump of money to, to go out of the, to a bank and get a bonus if they're going to invest it in something else. Cause they can usually get a better return elsewhere. But if that's money, if, if it's just going to be sitting in the bank, either make sure you're getting a high interest on it or you're getting a bonus or hopefully both. Hmm. So you open up bank accounts every, every month or so or what? Not every month. Um, but so like, for example, I have a high interest bank account. Uh, I actually have several high interest bank accounts. So I have one that pays me, I believe 8% on the first 500. 
I have one that pays me 6% on the first thousand. And then I have one that pays me like 2.2% on any balance, uh, you know, up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I, I you know, that's, that's a great one too. Um, but I had one last year, I opened up a bank account with Capital One. They gave me a $500 new account bonus and they paid me 2% interest on that balance. Um, and then I had it in there until a better new bank account bonus opened up. I put, I moved all my money to that one. And then I took all that money and put a down payment on this duplex that I'm living in right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can choose to answer this off the cast or on the cast. Where are these high, perform high percentage performing banks at? Sure. So the one that I use, uh, probably the one that I get asked about most is the 6% interest on the first thousand. Um, that's at a, personally, the one that I use for that is called Boeing Employees Credit Union. It's a credit union in Seattle, Washington. So if you're out of state, there's probably a credit union in your area that maybe has something similar, but that's the one that I used in Seattle. But as far as the ones that like 2% on any balance, Wealthfront is, a, is one that does that. Um, CIT Bank, uh, when I first started using them, they offered 2.3%. It's since dropped. Now it's about 2%. Ally Bank has dropped from 2% to 1.8, but there are, there are banks out there that are often, you know, that are offering 2% interest, which by the way, that's not a very high interest rate, but compared to the 0.0001% that other banks are giving you, you might as well put it into something better. Mm. You definitely don't just let your money sit there, do you? No, definitely not. And, and uh, you know, because I buy real estate all the time, I need to have cash for a down payment. And I need to have cash that's reliable. So cash that's not in the stock market, that's not tied up in my 401k. I do invest in the stock market and I do you know, put money in my retirement account. But when you have cash for real estate, you want to make sure that while that cash is sitting there, it's doing something for you. Now, have you been tempted, because you know, there's different ways to house hack, have you been tempted to move out of your um, primary home into another home and rent, you know, the rent your previous home out and then just only having to put three and a half percent on the next house. You've been tempted to like hop around and do that. Brother, I've done that like three times. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm already a step ahead of you, man. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause uh, you said something about, after, I thought it was after the first one, you had to put 20% on the second one or something like that. So, yeah. So basically, and, uh, th so this is how my understanding of it and what my lender told me and what I've been doing. So our first time home buyer program, we put three and a half percent down and you can buy an owner occupied house once every 12 months and put less than 20% down on. So our second house, we actually bought nine months after buying our first house. It did not satisfy that 12 month waiting period. Oh, I see. We did have to put 20% down. But our third house, we bought three months after buying our second house, which happened to be that 12 month mark. We moved into that house. We were able to put 10% down instead of 20%, owner occupied. And uh, then we rented our master bedroom at that first house. We rented that out once we moved out of there. And we went and lived in the third house. And at the third house, we were living completely for free, plus making about a grand a month in profit. So you got two houses in four months. Uh, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we bought, I think we bought six houses in two and a half years. Okay. I have a question for you. Just let me know if this works for you. In the future, since, since you, you're... I mean, after the CNBC interview, this interview, people are going to know who you are. People already know who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think you would ever get into private money and hard money to start buying these houses? 
like if investors wanted to put money with me and you know, I'm not opposed to that. Um, I, it would, here, here's what I'll say. Um, it, I think it would be hard for me to have a partner in real estate mm-hmm. just because, I mean, that's the sort of thing that if it goes wrong, that can ruin friendships. Like if you, I, I've heard a lot of horror stories where two people own a vacation house together, they disagree on how to run it. They're not friends anymore. So I don't know that I would do that. I'm not opposed to it, but maybe, but yeah, I mean, I want to buy, I'm looking at an apartment building in Portland, Oregon. It's 4 million bucks. So I would have to put a million dollars down. And if I can raise that at a point that makes sense and pay a handsome interest rate to my investors, then it's a win-win. And so I, I would definitely be, you know, open to a conversation. I got five on it, Todd. Let's All right. There you go. <laughs> I was just looking at a nine unit down in Galveston, man. Let's talk, Todd. There you go. Yeah, I'm down. I mean, I think, I think big multifamily. Now here, here's what I'll say. Um, it's not going to be as profitable. Your cash on cash return in a big multifamily is not going to be as profitable as a house hack, but you can scale big multifamily much, much greater because I can own like 400 apartment buildings. I probably can't own 400 house hacks and manage all those roommates and personalities. That would just be quite frankly too much. Mm-hmm. But an apartment building, what I want to do it goes back to the scalability and your time. If I can have passive income, even if it's less, but it takes me no time, I'm down. And, and, and I'm happy you're talking about multifamily because I'm going to present. I probably shouldn't even say this on the podcast because I just came up with this idea, but who cares? Some people use it, they'll use it. Huh? They're probably already doing this. So, okay, so I was looking at this nine unit and this is my thought process on it. So you need like 137.5 to get it, right? So I was thinking, I'm like, man, I could use some of my own money and use two other investors. And this is how I was thinking about your cash on cash return and how you could maximize it. Let's say you had three investors. It's nine units, nine unit apartment complex. Every person that puts in money, the three people that put in money, I think it's a little under 50, little under 50 apiece. Each of them get three, they lease three units back to their LLC and then they Airbnb them. They're getting their money back. Then in two years, a year or two years, they refi it. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I was, I've been thinking like that's the way to go about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's kind of the next step of this Airbnb arbitrage stuff. I don't know if you guys have looked too much into that, but it's basically it. people are renting apartments and then renting it out on Airbnb. This would be better though, because you're taking advantage of the equity. So you yes. own the building that you have on Airbnb. You get that cash out refi. I mean, honestly, that's why I personally don't do the Airbnb arbitrage is because if I'm managing a property, I want to own it because the appreciation is what makes you wealthy. You can make a high income doing the arbitrage, but the appreciation, the equity, the going up in value, that's what builds wealth. You're telling them, man, cash is, cash is trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, hey, you want to you wanna get rich, buy real estate and wait. Uh, you know, I, I saw this thing uh, where it was like, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. And that's for sure been true for us. I mean, again, our, uh, our first house, it appraised for nearly 200 grand more than what we paid for it just two years later. Now we did buy in an, in a, you know, an area like just outside of Seattle. So that was on our side, but man, that's basically $200,000 in free equity that we got. And we didn't even renovate the house. We just waited. Let me, let me guess, you bought in like Federal Way, Tacoma? <laughs> no, you know, we haven't gone that far south yet, but I'm not opposed to it. I actually just looked at an eight unit down in Tacoma. So who knows? Maybe I'll be picking that up. Yeah, Tacoma. I used to have family live out there. That was my old stomping grounds. I heard they cleaned it up a bit. 
They did. Yeah. It's, it's one of those areas too, where it's ripe. I mean, now's the time to invest there because it's uh, they're, they're making it better. So you just ride that wave to the top. Nice, man. And there's, um, and, and where you're investing, there's no, um, uh, Airbnb, anti-Airbnb laws coming or, you know, anything so, about you know, what's interesting. So the city of Seattle isn't a big fan of Airbnbs because, um, is displacing a lot of the housing. Uh, people that would be long-term tenants are getting pushed out because you can make so much more money on Airbnb. But I bought just outside the city limits where they don't have that rule. It's still only a 15 minute drive to downtown. We're very close to the airport. And also we were very fortunate. We got our first Airbnb a few years ago. We've since leased it out full time, but we actually got grandfathered in. So it was basically this rule came out on new Airbnbs. And, uh, but if you already had an Airbnb, you were grandfathered in and didn't have to really succumb to that rule. I don't know if it's since changed or not, but that's just something I can't even really take credit for. We were just right place, right time on that. But yeah, there, there are, I know like in Los Angeles, it's really hard to do Airbnbs, New York city too. They're cracking down on it. But if you just go outside the city limits, usually you're okay. Yeah. They shut me down in Seattle. Oh, did they really? <laughs> yeah. Dang, like yeah, man. Well, I'm, I'm in Burien right now in my Airbnb. So it's like, yeah. it's like a 20 minutes from downtown, still very close. And yeah, we're killing it. Man, that's dope. Yeah, they, they shut me down out there. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to come talk to you though. I told you I'm, I'm about to make a trip to Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Well, and hey, Seattle specifically, they just changed the law. So if you want to, you can have a mother-in-law in your house or you can, you can build a mother-in-law, whether it's attached or detached. And as long as you live there, they don't care if you're Airbnb or not. If you don't live there, there's some question. But if you live in the main house, you can Airbnb the one in your backyard. That's what I love. That's what I love. See, I really, if that was the case in Arlington, I would drop a container home in my backyard and rent it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So um, tiny houses are real big over there too, right? Yeah. You know, I, I personally don't own any tiny houses, but I've seen a lot of them. They're, they're pretty big. Well, they're, they're tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was my dad joke. Yeah. yeah they're pretty popular. Um, and, and those, you know, if you could buy land and put a bunch of tiny homes on it and then Airbnb or VRBO, or even just rent it full time, I think that's a really good idea. Uh, the only reason I haven't bought a tiny house is because I know that Really, it's the land that's worth a lot of money, and you don't necessarily own land if you buy a tiny house. So, for example, in one of my houses, I can sublet, I can subdivide the backyard, and I can build another house on it, or I can sell it. There's a piece of dirt behind my house that I own, and that piece of dirt is worth $120,000. So, I couldn't have done that if I bought a tiny house. You know, you don't own the land. Man, I've actually been talking about tiny homes and container homes all day. And the the reason why I haven't hopped in is the same reason as you. But I talked to an appraiser and he said, if you can find a way to bolt the tiny home or the container home to the the foundation, it'll then be considered real estate. But it's the same exact thing. He goes, because right now, if you just sit a tiny home on a lot, it's just considered personal property. So right. It doesn't appraise with the land. So you, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, man. So that, that's been my biggest holdup too. Right. Yeah. But if you want, I mean, I've seen Airbnbs for tree houses, man. There are people renting their tree house out for 200 bucks a night. I mean, that, that is crazy. So there's definitely room to do it. Um, I haven't gotten there yet, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of potential out there. Definitely check out, uh, I forgot our episode number, but the Treehouse Airbnb guy, Peter Behu, the number one Treehouse on Airbnb. He actually came on the podcast. So all right, he, he out of Atlanta, killing. right? Yeah, he's out of Atlanta. He makes a killing doing it. 
Dang that. Yeah. I got to check him out. Hot Lana, the ATL. I'll check that dude out. Yes, sir. Yeah. Check. Yeah. And, and, and getting into those steam spaces, kind of like those different type, man, that's where the money is on Airbnb right now. For sure. Well, we have a theme in our, uh, in our downstairs one. I'm not in it right now, but we have a, I hired a graffiti artist and he came out and did graffiti on one of the walls. And it's basically just the Seattle skyline. And he did it in one day, all freehand, no tracing, no stenciling. So that is unique to our Airbnb. That will never be replicated. So uh, we're getting a lot of people that are just coming because of that unique factor. Plus, it's, it's literally a garage. And on Airbnb, it's called the garage. And so people are just, they think it's cool. I think it's fun. That looks uh, that looks amazing too. I saw that one, oh, and thank you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was going to ask time with that. I was going to ask about that that badass mural. Um, how how much did that mural cost you, by the way? Dude, it was well. Okay, I will say this. I will say it was cheap for what it is. People are going to think it's expensive, but I paid two thousand dollars for the mural. But here's the deal: I was looking at graffiti companies. I didn't even know this was a thing. There are graffiti companies now. They had a minimum charge of ten grand. Whoa. That was the minimum just to come out. And then depending on the complexity of the deal, it could go up to like 15 grand. I found some random guy on Craigslist who decided he was going to drive up from like Portland, Oregon, which is a three hour drive to come do it. He said, I'll do it for 2000 bucks. I paid him 2,100. I gave him a hundred dollar tip because he was awesome. And uh, he did it in one day and he was great. And it's probably paid for itself over and over again already. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, in in one month renting it out i mean in the off season we're getting 1500 so it takes a little bit more than one month but in the peak season in the summer we're going to be getting three grand a month for that thing so that's literally in one month it'll pay for the mural and it already has paid for itself oh that's awesome you mentioned earlier credit card churning could you go over that real quick yeah so first uh let me say this uh if you're bad with money, don't go out and get a credit card. Uh, but if you're, <laughs> if you're not bad with money, then get one and here's what you can do. So credit card churning, oftentimes, uh, similar to a new bank account bonus, there'll be a promotion where if you go out and you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days, they'll give you 200 bucks. Now, everyone, don't go out of your way to spend $1,000 you wouldn't normally spend to get 200 bucks. That is an $800 loss. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I was doing the mural downstairs, when I was furnishing this Airbnb that I'm in, I knew that I would spend $1,000. So I got a new credit card. I, I was going to spend $1,000 anyway. So I took advantage of that $200 bonus. So it was basically like free money at that point. And I know, I know Dave Ramsey would freak out. I know it. <laughs> but, but again, it's, as long as you don't misuse it, it, you know, it, it doesn't do you harm unless you're kind of stupid with it. And then, and then it can really burn you. That's true. That's well, true. it's like anything, right? I mean, like think about uh, think about fire, for example. Mm-hmm. It can provide you warmth. It can keep you alive, or if you're stupid, it can burn you to death. <laughs> like if you, if you use it wrong. So, like you know, it, it's a tool, like anything else. So the uh, Dave Ramsey people aren't really a fan of you, then, right? Well, I haven't been on YouTube or anything that long. I just started. I don't know. And I will say this: I'm a fan of Dave Ramsey. I really respect what he's done. He's helped thousands and thousands of people get out of debt. We disagree when it comes to credit cards and, and uh, leverage for real estate. Mm-hmm. But I understand why Dave Ramsey has that message. And, uh, and he probably wouldn't say this on the air, but quite frankly, here's a reason. Most people don't know how to handle money. Most people don't know how to handle it. So they will go out and they'll overspend on that credit card. They'll pay 30% interest for dumb stuff. And that's why people are broke. And um, so Dave Ramsey says, hey, just don't get one. And that's a very... It's a very reasonable thing for most people. 
for me, I understand leverage. I'm not going to go overspend. I'm very disciplined. So I can take advantage of the credit card points and the bonuses. Yep. I love How many credit cards do you have at one, at one given time? I have 13 right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have about, yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just, I churn them. I get the bonuses. I mean, I have, here's the deal, you guys. Um, so my wife and I are planning a trip to Europe. I have enough credit card points to fly to Europe there, like round trip for free. So we're going to do, we're going to go to Europe round trip for free. When we get to Europe, I'm sure we'll find deals on hotels or secret shops and get that for free. But, um, but the, the message is this, I didn't go out of my way to spend money to get the airline miles. I was spending on things that I normally would buy. I just was very strategic about it. Sorry, I got to pop up real quick. There we go. There, you're back. Okay. <laughs> so I was very strategic about it. I didn't go out and spend money that I wouldn't otherwise spend. And uh, it's like anything. I mean, for example, I pay the utilities on six houses. So I could write a check and send that in the mail and that would cost me a check. I could, do, I could pay out of my bank account a monthly bank draft, but that wouldn't do anything for me. Or I could use a credit card where I get 2% cash back. So because I'm paying utilities on six houses, I put that all on a credit card. I get the 2% cash back. And that's a, it's just another stream of income for me. Mm. Man. This is power, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just text my friends and told them, if you buy a house while you're not married and you're not house hacking it, you're doing the wrong stuff. Dude, you know what's funny? I, I literally said that exact same thing like four months ago. And, uh, and, and here's the deal. Living with roommates isn't for everyone. I won't claim that it is, especially if you're married and you have kids. But if you are under the age of 30 and you don't have any children, do not buy a house unless that house is going to make you money. That's just my opinion. I think if you can rent somewhere cheaply, that's a, that's a better idea than buying a house that's going to cost you money. Um, you know, if you, if you don't have a family, you're not married, you know, whatever, or you are married, but you're young, man, buy a house so long as that house will make you money and live for free. I'm literally about to sell my house and go buy a duplex. I'm going to tell you the whole reason I looked at container homes was literally because I knew if I could build a container, cause I seen container homes about $75,000. Yep. Bossed out. I'm like, if I buy one of those, put an ADU on it, live for free, that would just push me to the next level. Like, there's no point of paying a mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if for people out there that are uncomfortable with a container home, first, I'll say they're awesome. But if that's not for you, you can buy up to four units owner-occupied. So you can buy a fourplex. You can live in one unit with your family. You can rent out the other three units and get your mortgage paid for. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of that. I mean... I've been living for free for a very long time. And right now I live for free. Plus I'm cash flowing about 1800 bucks a month. I don't like, I get paid to live you guys. It's, it's nuts. Ugh, and, uh, and you guys can do it out there too. So that, that's what I would say to the young people out there is don't buy a house unless that house is going to make you money. Now, if you have kids or a dog or, you know, whatever, or you're, you're over 40, and you don't live with roommates. I get it. Like you got to do you and, and live your life. But man, if that's not your situation, either rent cheaply or live for free. Todd, don't chase money. Money chase Todd. I like that. Right. That's right. <laughs> I love that, man. You got to attract the money. It's just like with, uh, it's like with women, right? Like if you chase women, they're not going to be interested in you. You got to sit back and not really care. And then all of a sudden they'll be like, ooh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come to you. 
<laughs> yeah, but you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Thinking about it, the the women who are into you the most, you ignored them at first. Oh yeah, <laughs> you ignored oh, yeah. them. That's real. And then they're That's like, real. "All right, this guy's kind of cool." <laughs> <laughs> then you Facebook stalk them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, sorry. So, um, how, how are your skills at being a negotiator? Good question. So I think they're pretty good. I mean, being in sales, you have to be a good negotiator. That's a big part of it. And uh, with real estate, we've negotiated. I mean, in this house, we got it for $50,000 below asking. Mm. And we had them build us two kitchenettes in the garages so we could turn them into Airbnb units. So, oh, wow. we, you know, we, we got it for 50 grand less and we had them build two more kitchens for us. So the negotiating on that was really good. Damn. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and it, you know, it was just, we knew what we wanted. We were, we were pretty confident that, uh, that other people wouldn't see the potential that this building has. I mean, this building, you guys, has seven friggin' bathrooms. It's, it's enormous. I know I'm just in one small section. I'm in like the downstairs part of the Airbnb unit. But um, I have a tour of it coming out on my YouTube channel, actually, that I can show everyone the whole thing. But yeah, it's, it's pretty huge. It's like, uh, I think it's 4,200 square feet. It's got, I think, uh, what is it? Five and a half or five bedrooms seven bathrooms and it has that studio downstairs oh man dude as soon as we're off this i'm about to drop this shit tonight i'm about <laughs> to change everybody's life bro um, um anybody who's in their 20s needs to listen to this this is like like i'm dead serious man you 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 really could change people's lives like the way you think and you present it to people like straight up man like i'm pretty sure we're gonna see you somewhere one day sitting up as a venture capitalist, I don't know, talking to a crowd of people, like giving like real life life advice. I'm, I just told, I'm like, man, I'm dropping this tonight. Yeah. Y'all need to, this needs to change y'all life right here. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And you know, it's funny because I've had like, literally you guys, I've had hundreds of people message me after the CNBC thing that are asking my advice and all these things. And to me, it's just, I'm just a guy with a couple of houses. Like there's nothing special about me. I'm just, I'm very frugal. I live below my means. I mean, that, that's pretty much it. But I think you're right. I think um, in the personal finance space, there's usually a few different types of people. There are people that are super arrogant. There are people that are really boring or there are scam artists and there are fake gurus. Uh, rarely are there guys like you two that are legit, give real advice, give sound advice, aren't flashy and are just really trying to help people. Unfortunately, in this space, that's rare. And so I think people are really latching on to this like, you know, I'm just, I'm everything I know I'm putting out there for free. Anyone can go listen to it anytime. Uh, and, and hopefully it will make a difference. If I can change one person's life, then I've done my job. Well, you're about to change every LL tears life. Who's in their twenties. They, well, they better change their life. We can't kickstart them, but Hey, they, you can give them all the information. We can lead a horse <laughs> to right. water. Can't make them think, but Hey, we're, we're exactly. going to try. Okay. Okay. Real quick before we, before we wrap it up. Um, so I see you got the W2 income, you mm -hmm. got the real estate income, you got the stock market stuff going on. Um, how many, um, what's your goal on, on different, and you know, there's other things too, but how many streams of income do you look, you know, do you look to have and what other ones do you look to have in the future? Sure. So, um, you, you never want to rely on just one stream of income. You got to have multiple. Um, I think, the goal for most people out there, if they can find between three and seven streams of income, I think it's a really good goal. For me, I want a lot more than that. Um, so I have, a, yeah, I mean, like there's jobs and there's uh, the house hacking, there's Airbnb, there's secret shopping. On the side, um, I actually do commercials. That's another one. So um, 
I'm not ever the star of a commercial. I'm just background extra. Uh, but I've been in commercials <laughs> before, like for Amazon and Microsoft. Wow. And, um, you know, uh, and then I have a lot of cashback apps too. Like I use a company called Trim that saves you money. I use apps that give you cashback and stuff like that. But uh, to answer your question, I want as many streams of income as I can possibly have, which is why I want a couple thousand apartment buildings. I want to keep growing it uh, because if you can get a passive income, even if it's small, if it doesn't take up your time, you might as well do it. That's great, man. That's great. I mean, yeah, that's just, this one is a, a mind blowing episode. A lot of people are going to have to listen to it a few times. And uh, I, how did how did the whole CNBC thing happen? It's a good question. So, you know, it, it started off kind of funny. I saw this guy on CNBC and in my opinion, he was giving financial advice that I would say is bad financial advice. Uh, he was, and that's my opinion. I'm just one guy with an opinion. So I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. It was just my opinion. But I messaged CNBC and I was like, hey, you know, I think this guy is not giving too great advice. But also I noticed they had a show called Make It on there where they featured uh, young people that uh, some of them were doing really well. Some of them were average. But um, I messaged them talking about sharing my story on that platform. And I just, I just wrote the show. I wrote CNBC. And um, I think a couple weeks later, a reporter uh, wrote me back. And um, we kept in contact. I mean, I, I first contacted them, got to think like eight months before the CNBC thing actually came out. So um, we were talking for a very long time, finally filmed it. It came out months and months later. Uh, but uh, it was great. And it's, it has, it, as of right now, I think five days after the release of it, it had 2 million hits on the site and it's up to 630,000 hits on YouTube. Whoa. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> and so you get like a dollar a hit, right? <laughs> well, I don't get a dollar a hit. That'd be CNBC. <laughs> Man, but I'm sure uh, with, see, with your, with, I don't know, capitalizing on that success with your own YouTube videos, which is, which is brilliant, by the way. I mean, uh, yeah, you can get there, man. You get the hits. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm very small right now. I think I have like 300 subscribers as of right now, but I just started. I'm putting out content and it's all educational. So those channels, I understand, don't grow as fast as like a cute puppy channel or like a like a, if I was a super hot chick, that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> have, I think I'd have more subscribers. But I'm not. I'm just a dude who's got some houses. So we're slow growing. Just put some Ferraris behind you, some models. You'd be all right. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sorry. My, <laughs> we can edit it out. My, my phone just rang and it rang to my Mac too. So I just put it on mute. Hope that didn't oh, disturb okay. you guys too much. No, you're no, good. no, no. I was just saying that, yeah, you just throw some Ferraris and some hot chicks behind you. You'd be all right. That's right. Yeah. Hey, if I wanted to sell a course, that's how I do it. <laughs> Grant Cardone whoa, whoa, all the way. Fired. Yep. <laughs> man. But dude, uh, man, I think that, man, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, we might have to get you back in episode, what? What no, episode is this? 117. Yeah, we might have to get you back on for 200, man. Now you, you brought some fire, dude. Dude, hey, thank you guys for having me on. I would love to be back. I mean, how about how about this? When I buy my apartment building, I'll call you guys and we can do a like a where is he now kind of thing. Forget that apartment building. And yeah, I'd love to be back on. It was it was great meeting you guys, great working with you guys, and keep doing what you're doing. You're providing people with valuable content and you're doing it right. Yes, sir. Thanks, go man. Seahawks. That. Let's do it. Go Seahawks. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, go, go Hawks. <laughs> like this guy. You a soccer fan too? 
I am, yeah. More football, but I'm a soccer fan. The Sounders are pretty good. And I want to actually uh, – <laughs> one of my goals is to be one of the guys that brings an NBA team back to Seattle. Oh, wow. We don't there have an NBA team that. right now, but if I can get uh, successful enough that I can help bring an NBA team back, that'd be dope. Yeah, we got to get them out of Oklahoma. That is ridiculous. Why is there a team <laughs> in Oklahoma? Have you ever been to Oklahoma? <laughs> I haven't been to Oklahoma, but I don't have a go. good friend from, 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 from Tulsa. So uh, I, won't, I won't rag on Oklahoma too much, but no, I've never been there. Yeah, I'll rag on it. I don't know why they have a team. Hey, man, we got fans over there. What's up? <laughs> Sorry, man. Y'all just don't deserve a basketball team. Let's <laughs> just keep it 100. Sorry, fans, man. We will keep supplying you information, but y'all don't need a basketball. <laughs> yeah, watch all of your fans from Oklahoma just unsubscribed immediately. <laughs> I'm sorry, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, we love you. We love you. Go Sooners. Um, <laughs> oh, no. There we go. <laughs> well, Todd Baldwin, thank you so much for hopping on with us. And uh, where, where can folks find out more, uh, more about you? Awesome. Well, I am on Instagram at Todd J. Baldwin, and I am on YouTube as well. I just started that channel. It's just my name, Todd Baldwin. I'll send you guys a link to that as well. And if you like dance tutorials, I just got on TikTok and I'm doing sweet, sweet dance moves like some of these and some of that and some of this. So if you want to add me on TikTok, at Todd J. Baldwin. Oh, my God. You do it all, man. You're the, what do they say, uh, a triple threat, a quadruple threat or a quintuple threat. You do it all, man. This is awesome. That's right. Awesome, man. Well, hey, it was a pleasure being on here. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right. Thank you, Todd. And um, anything else, Micah? No, man, that was it. That was a great episode. Uh, remember to follow us on IG, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Subscribe. Remember to leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. And join us on our group pages on Facebook and LinkedIn. We are now there now. And uh, we appreciate the love. Thanks for the support. Thanks for being listeners. And I truly, truly hope you guys go and change your life off this information, man. Please do. Make a change. It's possible. He's showing you. He gave you the full script right there. Anything else, Steve? That's it. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. All right, guys. Have a good one. We are right. out. Later. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.